On this episode of Progressive Palaver, Joe discusses Kansas' 50th anniversary tour with his brothers, Len and Dave. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends and appreciators of music discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on the special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver, and joined by my older brothers, Len and Dave Beauclair, as we discuss their recent experience seeing Kansas in Nashville. So here we are for a very, very special, special concert series edition of Progressive Palaver. Uh, I'm joined by, actually, we've got an all Beauclair crew tonight. I've got my two older brothers, Len and Dave, who just last night, at least at the time of recording, went to see um, Kansas in Nashville, Tennessee, the Ryman Auditorium. And Len, you had actually seen them, what, a couple weeks, month June, ago? June. Beginning of June. Beginning of June. And the uh, Keswick, the Theater. Keswick Theater in Glenside, PA. So you've got two under your belt. Dave, I don't think you've seen, well, we can get into when the last time you saw Kansas was. And I am scheduled to see them. I won't actually get to see Kansas until November of this year. Um, when they're in Dallas, so the uh, the fiftieth anniversary tour is a pretty uh, pretty long one. But I thought um, since you know all three of us were going to be in the same room, I thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of go through the uh, the show and see you know what you guys thought. And you know, Len, you're you're sort of the 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 lead horse in all of this, in that you brought Kansas into the family, basically. And I remember when I was a wee lad, um, we went to see them, what, the Valley Forge Music Center or something like that? Valley Forge Music Fair. Music Fair, there we go. In 1987. Yeah, you weren't exactly a wee lad at that point. Well, (laughs) compared to now, I was a wee lad. And uh, I actually saw them once at the... But I was at that show, too. Yeah, Yeah, right. That was the three of us there. The three of us went to that. And um, I saw them at the Texas State Fair once. That was kind of cool. And you and I saw them at the Stone Balloon in Stone New- Balloon. Oh, rest in peace, the Stone Balloon in Newark, Delaware. The only time I've seen my all-time favorite Kansas song performed. And which song is that? Closet Chronicles. Ah. You and I, we heard the opening notes, and you and I both like turned and stared at <laughs> each other with, with, with the jaw dropping to the floor, like, oh my God, they're actually playing it. <laughs> I do have vaguely remember that. I remember I remember seeing them at the Stone Balloon. I mean, what? We were no more than yeah. 30 feet from the stage. You, it was you awesome. You couldn't get any more than 30 <laughs> feet from the stage in the Stone Balloon. So, so this particular show... Um, at the Ryman Auditorium, you know, obviously a very famous venue here in Nashville. We at the Palaver have never talked or about anything at the Ryman. So why don't we go through the Ryman very quickly? Um, Len, had you been there before? I had not. Okay. 
so I didn't know what to expect. Um, as Dave pointed out last night, it's it's an old Civil War area it Confederate was built, church. It was built as a Confederate church. Yes, it's uh, it was actually opened in 1892, and then uh, it's, it's obviously known best as the home for the Grand Ole Opry for many years until it uh, until the Grand Ole Opry relocated, and then the Ryman actually fell into disrepair for quite a while, but. Uh, the, the thing, one of the things, it, it was resurrected then in the late 90s and has become become an important venue in Nashville, actually. And, and one of the things artists will tell you is that the acoustics in there are tremendous. Like, people love to hear themselves sing in there. Really? Yes. And, uh, and it's... Uh, it's a cozy venue, I guess you could say, and uh, That's but, but, there's, but there's not a. Uh, I mean, there's there's not a bad. There's two levels, and you're sitting in old church pews, and it's uh, it, it it's it, it's one of those it's one of those grand old places that you need to see a show if you yeah. ever get a chance to see a show. You've seen a bunch there, right? I have. I uh, I, I saw Mellencamp there earlier this summer. Uh, I saw Social Distortion there a couple of years ago. So I mean, that's the that's the thing. Like it, it's not just you know, it, it's become that kind of music, music venue right. that, you know, anybody could come through there at any point right now. So if, it's, if it's, you're, you know, filling the right size right. venue, that's yeah, exactly Actually, if you, when we walked in, they have, you know, the old posters, Springsteen on one of, I think it was Devils and Dust. Really? Played there <laughs> when he was doing his acoustic solo tour. So you say it's kind of cozy um, beyond the pews. <laughs> like, like, how cozy are we talking here? People cannot walk in front of you if they're getting out of the row. Everybody's got to stand up. Really? You're, you're literally, your knees are right on the back of the pew in front of you. Okay. But, but like, the stage is spacious. Yeah, there's two decks, but, like, I mean, the best seats in the house, anybody will tell you, are the front row of the upper balcony. You know, it's just not one of those, it's, it's not one of those venues where you want to be, like, right up against right, the yeah. stage, necessarily. You're looking, you're looking way up, although, you know, that's fun, too, but... Uh, but it, it, it it's it's one of those it's one of those great things where there's no bad seat at all. If if you're in the building, you've got a great view of the show. So, Len, you saw them at the Keswick and and now here at the Ryman. Does the Ryman, you know, have did it sound better to you? I will have to say it's hard to totally gauge that. Being this time we were in the balcony mm-hmm. at the Keswick, we were tenth row on the floor just. Set left center aisle. So who were you in front of? Who was I in, in, in the band? Like what band member uh, were you in front of? Rich Williams side. Okay. So all you heard was guitars. I, I didn't <laughs> I don't know that I heard it. I mean, you know, unfortunately the hearing's going a little bit too, so everything's a little distorted at this point. Um I, I didn't think it was bad at the Keswick, quite okay. frankly. But it, it is a smaller venue. So if they don't adjust the volume, it can be overpowering all of it. Um, I, I will say, yeah, the sound was probably a little bit better at the Ryman. Cool, excellent, and and it was better. It was a you know more interesting because you have more people screaming at them. <laughs> so that was you know from audience. But I I did think from the get go the Philly audience was more into it from the very first song. Okay. The Ryman Auditorium, it seemed like it took them a little bit to get into it. And, and Dave, obviously you could speak more for Nashville audiences, but 
Philadelphia is somewhat unique in the prog rock community for their very rabid fan base for that particular type of music. Um, so I, I'm not at all surprised to hear about that. That's kind of cool. So this is the 50th anniversary. Um, you know, there have been a lot of different people in the band. There have been a lot of changes in the lineup over the years. We were talking before we got on air about some of the most recent ones. Um, here at the Palaver, we just um, had Joe Dennison, who was the most recent uh, addition to the band, on the show. Just uh, We recorded with him a couple of weeks ago. And um, we know of Tom Brislin, the keyboardist, because he actually was in Yes for a time. We, we came across him specifically at... Um, the Yes 50, and I believe it was, I don't even know when that was, 2018 maybe, 2017. And, um, but apparently, um, not only is, is Tom Brislin very well respected, he is currently the music director of the band. So, um, you know, it's his job to make sure everyone, you know, knows their parts and has it all together. Um, so he's, he's extremely invested in that. It's interesting when we talk, you know, original members. We've got Phil and Rich who are still in there. It's interesting to have, for a 50-year-old band, to have the drummer be one of your original members. It's not something you see every day. Um, and Billy Greer, I guess, is the guy who has the the most tenure behind um, Rich and Phil. It, and it's interesting because, Len, we know this when Steve... Walsh left the band, what, late after, 80s, early uh, 90s? I want to say, yeah, it was after Audio Visions. It was right? after Audio Visions. Right. He formed a band called Streets, and Billy Greer was the bassist in Streets. Mm -hmm. And when Steve Walsh rejoined the band, he brought Billy Greer with him. And Billy Greer's been there ever since. So, um, been power. Yeah. Exactly, and, and Billy Greer just is actually serving as the de facto frontman on this. Is tour, he really? Where uh, <laughs> you know, vocalist Ronnie Platt sings and and does the keyboard stuff, but in terms of talking about the performance and introducing the songs and whatnot, that is that is Billy Greer. He is sort of it. It, it feels very much like. He is the keeper of the Kansas legend right now. That, awesome. that was the uh, that that was the you know that was the, the the sense I got from watching it. It's like you know Rich Williams is over there doing his thing. Philly Hart comes on, does the second half of the show, and it, and it's it's Billy Greer saying you know I'm the bridge between these guys and these younger guys up here on the stage, and I'm going to make sure everybody is is clear on who we are and what we're doing up here. That's awesome because I mean. In terms of, you know, the, the math, right, Billy Greer has been on a small percentage of Kansas recordings, but he's been in the band for a large percentage of years of, of the 50. So I think that's kind of cool. You mentioned Phil Ehart comes on for the second half of the show. So who's drumming beforehand? Uh, the guy's name is Eric Holmquist. Okay. I, Apparently, I Phil know. Phil hurt himself last year uh, in October, according to what we were told at the show. Okay. Uh, I think Eric filled in immediately. He was probably doing most of the, the whole show, if not. Uh, now he the two shows I've seen, he both Eric covered the first hour. Um, they go into an acoustic set, and at the end of the acoustic set, hey, there's Phil. Cool. 
It's a great entrance. Believe and Eric Holmquist apparently has been Kansas's drum tech for quote decades. Oh, so cool. he is uh, he is a part of the band. Ehart was injured in early October and was uh, told for a while to not do any drumming. So I guess the fact that he's doing half the show now <laughs> is uh, is to pun intended it is is progressing you know yeah you go That's and he awesome. looks great he looks really, really? Great. It, yeah he does not look 71 years old or whatever he is at this point amazing so how how's the band as a whole then with we've got the the two originals billy greer embracing the legend and then the however many what do we have three four new guys yeah three three, three positions yeah. three three and a half if you will if you count home home quiz right okay so, so how how's the band like gel? Does it feel normal? Does it feel? They sound great, that... but but I would say the feel like at points I thought, okay, it's it's a tribute band with Rich Williams playing guitar. You know, I mean, because it's, I mean, it, it's not Carrie Livgren. It's it's not right. Steve Walsh. It's you know it. it so it, it does have it, it does have a little bit of, of that feel to me where uh, uh, you know but but I, I it was a really if 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 I'm gonna go down that path I'd say it's a really good tribute band though <laughs> um, you know the uh, they they were they were tight they were they were certain and like you mentioned Tom Brislin I I found him to be the most charismatic guy on stage and all he's doing is standing behind keyboards the whole night but he's his, his playing style is really energetic yeah. and he, and he does uh, you know he he he, he kind of captivated me and 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 I I spent half the night thinking what a what a treat it must be for him to have this gig right now because there's not a lot of rock and roll that includes that level of keyboard playing you know a, a lot of it you just see the one guy you know all, all, essentially almost keeping beat like a right, drum, yeah. you know like a drummer would and and you know Kerry Livgren having written most of these songs and and having been primarily a keyboard player himself you know he clearly you know hit that that is such a such an elemental part of the sound and the performance right now too cool and and I will say, considering if if you look at the set list, and I think it was last night's was twenty songs long, and tw- I think fourteen of them are Monolith and Prior. Yeah, it's interesting if you look at set list FM. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen albums that are represented. In this in the set list, at least according to last night's, yeah, they they, um, they did not play Bells of St James last night, so taking the spirit of things off that list, really, yeah, I did see it in Glenside. They did not play it last night. Weird, couldn't tell you why, but I will say, <laughs> considering that they're the concert is obviously focusing on mm-hmm. yeah fifty years, but it's the first five six albums, right? They captured the Kansas sound from that era very well. And just to be clear, none of us has bought the Super Duper Deluxe box set that they released for this. I, I, I honestly, I think I have every album up to Prelude Implicit. Okay. 
I was never a big fan of Freaks of Nature, which they kind of avoided. Yeah, Freaks of Nature is, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, they did, when they did Icarus 1 and 2 back-to-back, that, that was brilliant. That was pretty mind-blowing. And, and you know, and Billy Greer makes points, you know, Kerry Livgren wrote these two songs 25 years apart, and it's like, it's, it was a brilliant two-song piece. It really was. And, and and that you know that speaks to I think what's interesting about this tour and this particular show, for uh, you know somebody like me personally, I, I'll I'll say this to give a little perspective. I'm 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 an Americana music guy. I'm not a progressive music guy, but I but I am a music guy in a lot of ways. And and I'm and I'm one who likes to look forward. Give me you know give me what's coming down the pipe. I want to I want to be the one at the front end of the conversation talking about this artist or that. Having said that, the fact that this this tour and this show in particular doesn't just stick to the hits right and they you know they do some deep cuts and Mm. i and i think i think they i think great care was taken to sort of sort of create a represent representation of what kansas is what it was what it still is what uh what i guess what it aims to be in terms of holding its place in the uh in the music landscape was was really effective and and really interesting and and uh, you know as a guy who didn't know the words to every song that that was played in this show i i certainly wasn't sitting there thinking god i you know when are they going to play carry on wayward son you know i mean i was you know i was i was very much i was very much locked into what they were doing and uh, and and it, it's interesting to think when you when you hear something like song for america and, and up to icarus 2 or whatever you, you you understand how well formed the band sound was really right from the start. You know, when when you you think about a band like Soul Asylum or something, you know how yeah. how dramatically they changed over a period of years. They're the core elements of what these guys did never never varied really. And and, and I agree with that because you know again for those long time listeners of the Palaver, we've been threatening to do our Kansas segment for going on two years at this point we actually will do it at some point and and i've spent my sort of preamble time just sort of going through the catalog and and i i felt the same thing i mean i think my favorite album is probably song for america which is their second one which brings me to this question um they perform song for america i'm assuming at that point it's full band is it like is it as wonderful as i can imagine like, what was your thought on Song for America, Len? I, I grinned from ear to ear when it was done. <laughs> and it was funny because it was last night. They didn't say this in Glenside, but it was when, when Phil jumps in, and this is a spoiler alert. Do you want me to go down this road? Spoil it. At the very, the last, they do a three-song acoustic set, which starts with People of the South Wind mm-hmm. and Dust in the Wind. And then they do uh, Lonely Wind which is probably my favorite song off the first album. And it's during this time they're swapping out. The, if, you're, if you watch it, Phil's kit is just a little bit different, and they're swapping out at least one drum or changing some probably, stuff. Probably, probably yeah. changing out his snare. Yes, he used to do the exact in, same in, thing. In the, you know, in the dark, in the back, yep. so you really yep. can't see what's going on. And at the very end, 
probably like the last verse of Lonely Wind, the whole band jumps in and Phil is pounding away. Nice. And then Billy Greer says, and just in time for the longest song of the evening. Nice. And they, they do song for America next. And it, it was awesome both times. <laughs> and that, that is one of my all-time favorites. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I love song from, I love the album. I love the song. Absolutely love the song. And it was, it did not disappoint live. Excellent. It absolutely did not. Favorite song from the night from both of you? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, I've always had a soft spot for people of the South Wind, which, which kicked off the acoustic part of the show. And I thought that, that it was an interesting, yeah, I, I, I wondered what led them to say this would be a good right. song without any drums, right? And uh, and it so I I think I think in terms of the performance, like that was the one I was most sort of really listening to and and sort of trying to piece together what they were doing as opposed to just taking in the whole picture. So uh, that that might have been that might have been the most interesting moment for me. Cool. I I remember when I saw them in Glenside. And I was completely floored that the opening song was Balexis. Right. Whoever, like you said, the, like, the deep dives. Oh, Who, yeah. How many people even know what Balexis is? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a it, great song. It's an interesting way to open a, a like a 50th anniversary tour. Really? With a song most people probably don't, you know. Exactly. Um, I've said this all along. Left Overture was the first album I ever learned every word to every song. And when you follow that deep dive, Miracles Out of Nowhere, still, it's still one of my favorite songs on that album. Well, that's, 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 uh, that's a banger too, right? Like that song really gets kicking. So I can imagine that was probably really I, fun. I, I was watching Phil a lot this time when he came back on and he, he's got this, this style. It looks like he's hitting almost sideways. Really, but both hands are going, and he he hits hard. Ooh, I can't he wait! He hits hard. <laughs> that should be very cool. So I don't know if this is going to go anywhere or not, Dave. Well, and Len, you can jump in here too. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna name drop here on the Palaver, Dave. You're you're good friends with John Elefante, who was the second singer in Kansas. And right at the top of the set, I see two John Elefante songs. How'd that translate? Did did those songs work? And I mean, those two songs are, are very different, by the way. Yeah. In terms of... Those two albums were very different. <clears throat> Play the Game Tonight is, I would say, much more traditional Kansas yeah. with the whole big violin thing. And Fight Fire with Fire is much more, you know, straight ahead. But, you know, being friends with John Alfonte, did were they done justice? Yes. I, 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 thought, they, I, I thought they fit right in and... Uh, um, you know, John lives here in Nashville. wasn't able to wasn't able to attend. They they actually gave him a shout out in between Did the they? songs. Yeah, nice. Um, but uh, but you know, and and that was you know, I mean, Robbie Steinhardt got a shout out again when you talk about a fiftieth anniversary tour and and whatnot. Like that, those moments happened throughout the night too. I guess I'm assuming Steve Walsh was mentioned. I can't remember the uh, specific moment. Steve, but I think. St- 
didn't Steve write Lonely Wind? And they said that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they. That's why they took opportunities to to, pay to, to to mention people who you know. And John wrote both the song. He didn't just sing on them. He wrote both the songs you referenced. And uh, um, you know, they they did sound a little different. I think at the time back in the day, I remember, but uh, but fit right in. I thought with uh, with how everything went in the show last night. That is outstanding. Did either of you know that before his death, Robbie Steinhardt had written some sort of musical? I, I, I actually, I had actually heard that from John at one point. Yes, that. Uh, I listened to and, it. And I think, I think John might have been involved to some degree with that. It was, yeah. it was fascinating. I just, yeah. I throw that aside. But I mean, I did not. So. Yeah, it, it's, it's really something to, to check out, and you have some time. The beauty of streaming services now, you can, <laughs> yeah. you can find these things. Well, that's, I mean, that, that sounds awesome, and I'm really glad that they're, you know, it's important. I think to you know recognize the input of others who have been in the band um especially when you're celebrating you know the the whole breadth of work so excellent well this sounds great i can't wait for my opportunity to see them in november any sort of closing thoughts that you guys think we should uh, you want to impart to the listeners at this point well can we tell the story of uh you know the sort of the significance of this show. Absolutely. It it, it uh, you know what what I guess what's interesting when you're talking about a band that has, that has been together for 50 years now in in some way shape or form. You mentioned at the top, and we didn't really get into it, but Len was the one who brought Kansas into the family. Right. So you 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 go to 1981. He's about to start his senior year at high school, and. Uh, it was somewhere that fall that tickets were going on sale. I, I was I was going to bed one night and I heard that tickets were going on sale for a Kansas concert the next morning. And it just so happened that weekend, Len was going out of town on a college visit. And I was thinking to myself, wow, I'm really sad. Len's going away on this college visit and sometime next year he's going to go away, period. And uh, he's going to go to college and... Uh, and since uh, since his birthday is coming up, maybe I'll go buy him two tickets to go see Kansas, and uh, and just to say thank you for being a good brother, and I'm going to miss you. And so that's what I did. And it turned out that he actually invited me to go to the show with him, which was the last thing I expected. <laughs> well, the show was August thirteenth. 1982 so we were almost 41 years to the day we end up going back to see kansas again that so is awesome that was uh, that was that was part of the uh, that was part of the appeal and and you know i guess the point being that uh there's not a lot of bands that you can say you see 41 years apart uh, so the 50 years speaks for itself but this is you know this is part of the uh, one, one of the very thin layers of that 50 yeah. year story for Kansas and it's cool that you know I think we as a family have been you know invested in various levels with this band for that amount of time as well and, and there aren't a lot of bands that the three of us will say yeah let's go to that show <laughs> <laughs> well, you and you mentioned the uh, the 1987 show. Yeah, I don't know if either of you remember the particulars of that. I certainly remember the particulars of that. I, I certainly I, don't. I remember. I remember it very well because 
it cost me some sleep. I was uh, I, I was working a, a job that summer where I had to get up very early, and I think it was maybe a Friday night. It was the end of a long, hard week, and I was just looking forward to going to bed early. And you and Len and his girlfriend at the time, Nancy, were supposed to go to that show mm. together, and a day or two or maybe two yeah, weeks beforehand. No, no, no. Here you go. That I had two. I had the Thursday night. She and I went to see Boston. I was at that show too. The third stage tour. Yeah. Where they played the whole album in order. I'm like, if I wanted to see, listen to the album, I'd do that. I don't know. But she and I broke up the next night. Yep. Over the phone. It was very interesting. <laughs> and I had tickets for the following Tuesday for Kansas at the Valley Forge. Okay, there, now, there's where there, there's, yeah. there's the story. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, hey, I, you know, I've got this seat. Will you please come? And I thought... All I want to do is go to bed. And, uh, <laughs> so I guess maybe I'd had a long, hard weekend. And at that point, it was well, Tuesday you know, night. I was going to... Well, you were yeah, getting up but, at like 4 o'clock in the morning to go to that yes, job. Yes, I was. <laughs> but, uh, so anyway, but uh, but we went and, and that was when Walsh had come back. Yeah. And I, so I was glad to have seen Steve we, Walsh. We I can still see him yeah. doing handstands on the keyboard. Yeah. Oh, yep. yep. Never forget that one. Yeah. And that's what, I, that's what I... You know, my... The whole love affair with this band is—I've seen them in so many different iterations. Uh, the first one was Elefante's first tour, right? Um, for the Vinyl Confessions, which is—I'm sure it, it's borderline when they started falling out of what would be considered probably traditional prog. But it's a great album. It, it is. It is a great album. And at that time, and it's really funny doing what we do here on this podcast. Every prog band went through the exact same transformation at the same time. Um, they, they all did it. Commerce, it was, commerce dictates <laughs> trends at times, yes. <laughs> so so there, there's certainly no shame in that. But I do think, um, you know, like I said, I, Vinyl Confessions, in my opinion, is much closer to the rest of the catalog than, than Drastic Measures. But I love Drastic Measures, too. Yeah. I think it's... It's much more straightforward. And but Vinyl, Vinyl Confessions gave me my second favorite Kansas song. After Closet Chronicles, I will listen to Chasing Shadows oh, it's a good anytime, movie. anywhere, any time of day. It's, it's, and thank your friend John for that. <laughs> that, is, that is just a great, great song. Outstanding. Cool. Well, this has been great. I want to thank both of you for taking the time to share your experiences with uh, not only me, but also the, uh, the Palaver listeners. And I will, uh, I'll check in with the rest of the crew when I see Kansas in November. But thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's fun. Thank, thank you. enjoyed this episode of progressive palaver as always we've enjoyed sharing the conversation with you and we look forward to your thoughts comments feedback and questions you can reach us on facebook instagram what used to be twitter and threads we are at prog paula on all of those or search for progressive palaver you're welcome to email us our email address is prog paula that's p-r-o-g-p-a-l-a at gmail.com progressive palaver is available for subscription and download on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify pandora or presumably wherever you find your podcasts and we are, as always, hosted on SoundCloud. 